Welcome to episode 105 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is excited to offer members a new way to explore their interests with the new Plus Catalog. This holiday season will certainly be more special than last. It's finally time to gather together and exchange thoughtful gifts with the people you care about. In the midst of all the holiday excitement, Think about giving yourself the gift of an Audible membership. Now is the absolute best time to do it with a special offer of 60% off your first three months. With Audible, you can listen to more of whatever you're into because Audible has it all. An unbeatable selection of audiobooks, tons of binge-worthy podcasts, and exclusive originals. All available to download or stream. Here's what you get. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month, like the latest bestseller or hottest new release, yours to keep forever. You can listen to Melanie's book, What When Wine, or either of my books, Delay Don't Deny or Fast Feast Repeat. And coming January 4th, you can listen to Cleanish. Here's the best part. You also get full access to Audible's streaming library, the Plus Catalog. Discover your next podcast obsession, check that audiobook off your bucket list, or get lost in a world of original content from celebrity creators, best-selling authors, and leading experts. The kind of stuff you can't hear anywhere else. Stream all you want, as much as you want. No matter where you're going or what you're doing this holiday season, you'll always have just the right thing to listen to at your fingertips. Now that I'm doing a lot of driving to the beach and back, Audible is the perfect companion for each trip. There's so much to choose from that I will never be done finding great options. Right now, for a limited time, save 60% on your first three months of Audible. That's only $5.95 a month. Give yourself the gift of listening. For more, go to audible.com slash ifpodcast. That's audible.com slash ifpodcast. Or you can text ifpodcast to 500-500 for 60% off your first three months. That's definitely a gift you'll love to give yourself. And now, back to the show. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during 
pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 105 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am great. And we told a lie to listeners last time. I said we'd be recording this one from the beach, but we decided to record before I left. So I still haven't been to the beach. (laughs) (laughs) But it is upcoming. Are you excited? Oh, I'm so excited. I'm completely packed. My car is packed. I'm packed. My husband and my son haven't started packing. (laughs) I feel like that's always the way it is. We're leaving in like 12 hours and, you know... (laughs) I'm completely ready. Anything else new in your world? That's it. That's it. I've been pretty much 100% thinking about getting to the beach. How about you? Anything new going on for you? Well, I am actually in the middle of a crazy move myself, so things are getting real. I feel like I've been doing a lot of moving on this podcast. (laughs) Well, it's the stage of life that you're in, right? You're in a, a moving stage. Yeah, definitely. So for listeners, I'm currently in LA. Total in my life, I've lived in LA almost about a decade. 
I guess, of my life. <laughs> but as listeners know, I was in Atlanta for a little bit as well. So I've decided to go back to Atlanta. Actually, the acting opportunities there were quite amazing. Like I was getting really amazing auditions when I was there. And I think for this time in my life where I'm at, it's a really good place for me. So it's calling me. So I'm moving next week. Yay, Georgia is a good place to be. So we'll be back in the same state. I look forward to that. Back in the same time zone. I know the time zone thing will help my me and my late circadian rhythm. It's really going to help. That is going to help. But yeah, here in Georgia, we have a very friendly environment for the film industry. You know, my son went to Savannah College of Art and Design before he came back home to live. And <laughs> they have a film major, a lot of people, and they also have a, a location in Atlanta. But the film industry is just huge here in Georgia right now. So, and you know, television as well. More and more things are being filmed and produced right here in Georgia. Yep, production wise. I mean, I read at one point they actually surpassed LA production wise, I guess from a like a monetary perspective. But yeah, it's crazy. They have they're building a lot of studios and they just shoot a lot of things, especially around the Atlanta area. Oh yeah. And such, but and throughout the greater southeast. The Walking Dead is one of our most famous. I love The Walking yeah. Dead. Do you watch The Walking Dead? I do not. I definitely auditioned for it though. And I'm really glad I didn't get on it because I can't even imagine wearing the makeup. All the- yes. I feel like it's probably not non-toxic. Non-toxic, right. <laughs> That's true. Well, it's one of my favorite shows, and I, I'm surprised by that. You know, if you'd have asked me 10 years ago before I started watching it, would you be interested in a zombie show? I would say no. But it's not really about the zombies. It's about the people. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan. And once you've watched it for a while, you start driving through the Georgia landscape, especially earlier seasons when I was watching those, and everything looks like The Walking Dead. You know, if you're driving across the country of Georgia, the countryside, you like start planning how you're going to attack the zombies if they show up. Don't worry, I'm ready. (laughs) That totally makes sense. And we could intermittently fast our way through it. This is true. We're ready. We're set. Bring it. Apocalypse. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to have you back over here on this side of the country. Well, thank you. Well, it'll be, I'm not there yet. That is for sure. I'm definitely in panic mode. It's all good. And if I thought I had already thrown away everything, I am really throwing away everything (laughs) now. And it feels so good. Now I feel like bad keeping things. I'm like, it's crazy how much I'm getting rid of. It feels so good. It does feel good. I love getting rid of things. Yeah, I'm getting like little highs from everything I throw away. And now when things break, I'm getting really excited. I'm like, yes, I can throw it away. Like I dropped a bowl last night. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Now I can toss this away. (laughs) All right. So inquiring minds want to know, will you get a new goat mattress when you get to Atlanta? Okay, guys, this is how much this mattress means to me. So I was going to ship just boxes individually via UPS like sell everything, ship a few boxes, and then ship my car, fly back. But then I was like, my mattress, I need my mattress. And if I sell my mattress, I'm going to have to rebuy my mattress. If I give away my mattress, I'm going to have to rebuy my mattress. Like I need my goat mattress. So I ended up getting movers just so I could send my mattress. Wow. So you're keeping the same mattress. Well, good. Yep. You've already broken it in. And by that, I mean aired it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yes. So I'm getting movers to get all the boxes and the mattress. Well, good. How long will it take them to get that across the country? 
I don't know. They quoted like about a week or so. We'll see. Super excited to be on the other side of this. I was telling Jen, I'm having like, I have little miniature panic moments with the packing and everything. But the thing that reassures me is that the only time I really remember in my life historically ever having actual panic attacks were during moving situations. So I'm like, okay, this is normal. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Moving is very, very stressful. It's, you know, one of the most stressful things that we do. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll all be thinking about you. So I think the next time we record, you will have moved. And I will have gone to the beach so we can oh my goodness. Crazy things. <laughs> update those. Yeah. I'll be in a, probably a weird transitory state still because I'm going to move in. My parents have an empty apartment now there. So I'm going to move into an empty apartment while I find my permanent apartment. So I'll still be like in flux, but at least I won't be here right. like, pre-move. Oh, yeah. At least you know where you're going and you have family. See, I think that always makes it better too. You'll be near family. Yes. So great. All right. Should we get started with today's episode? Sure. Well, we have one question that was the one I was dying to get to last time, and we saved it for today. And so now I'm going to read it. This is from Vara Sarah. What a beautiful name. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly, but I love it. And the subject is yo yo effect. And she says, Will there be a yo-yo effect after I stop intermittent fasting in case I have achieved my goal and want to eat normally? If yes, how can I prevent the yo-yo effect? Thank you. So can I go ahead and answer this one, Melanie? Yeah, I was going to say, go ahead and jump in. Yep. This is just really great timing because like two days before the last episode where I really, really, really wanted to get to it and we ran out of time, I had just put up a really short you know, survey in the Delay Don't Deny Facebook group. And okay, it wasn't a scientific study type survey. It was just me, you know, quick survey of the members. And I asked the members to tell me how they viewed intermittent fasting. And there were three answer choices. And one of the answer choices was forever lifestyle. One of them was something that they're doing temporarily until they get to their goal and then they'll stop. And the third, I was just kind of joking around. I said, who am I and why am I here? That was answer choice three. Here's what's fascinating. I expected a lot of people to choose forever lifestyle. But in the first 12 hours, 1,600 plus people chose forever lifestyle. And the number of people who chose temporary diet till they get to goal, three. That's insane. (laughs) It surprised even me. So 1.6 thousand people chose Forever Lifestyle. Three people said it was a temporary diet. And 11 people picked Who Am I and Why Am I Here, which is hilarious because those are my people. That's my tribe. The people who picked that one because it was funny. I mean, you know, they know why they were there. (laughs) But more people picked the joke answer, Who Am I and Why Am I Here, than chose that it's a temporary diet. So you probably know where I'm going with this, right, Melanie? I think so. So Vera Sarah wonders, will there be a yo-yo effect if she stops intermittent fasting? The answer is yes. I fully predict that if you stop intermittent fasting and go back to the way you used to eat, your weight will do what it was doing before you started intermittent fasting. And the exciting thing is, according to the members of my Facebook group, you know, they're not planning to stop. I'm not planning to stop. Very few people, apparently plan to stop. So 
I would encourage you to not stop to consider your forever lifestyle instead. Now, when you get to maintenance and you're at a weight that feels good for you, that's when you can play around with different window lengths and see, you know, maybe you'll need a longer eating window in maintenance. Who knows? But for me, you know, I get this question as far as meaning I connect to it because when I was losing weight with intermittent fasting, of course, I had not learned about the clean fast yet. It was prior to reading the obesity code. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just, you know, not doing it really the way that I would encourage people to do it now. I was looking at the end as the end. And what was I going to do once I got there that was going to be different? But over time, I realized I don't want to do anything different. This is what I want to do. So I understand that thinking. But the longer you do intermittent fasting, the more and more you're not going to want to quit it. Do you have anything to add to that, Melanie? Yep, I agree completely. I, When I first started, I thought it was a temporary experiment. And then I just never wanted to stop. And I think one of my struggles in a way with intermittent fasting, and this is why I had the whole social section chapter in my book, was because one of the quote hard things about intermittent fasting is you don't want to stop. <laughs> and so I think you, there's a lot of like social pressure that makes it more difficult. Like I kind of have had this perpetual residual fear in a way that somebody's going to make me stop. Right. That somebody's going to come along and be like, you can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like something that I probably should just like let go of that idea. Yeah, it's definitely a forever lifestyle. And once you get into it, you don't really, really want to stop. Yo-yo effect wise, I mean, I suppose if you, yeah, if you go back to completely your old habits, I mean, that's what in a way the yo-yo effect is, is going back and forth between these different diets and doing so would create the quote yo-yo effect. So, I mean, that said though, Farasara, if maybe you will decide, you know, that you don't want to do intermittent fasting, you know, all the time or on some days and that's okay. And I don't think you have to worry about preventing the yo-yo effect because, you can still eat, you know, healthfully and you don't have to do intermittent fasting every day if you don't want. That will most likely not create a yo-yo effect at all, especially if you become more insulin sensitive and more in tune with your food choices and such. I think you could very easily create a lifestyle where you're doing intermittent fasting on days that you like, but then you can still have days where you eat normally. I would just encourage you to maintain, you know, an intuition and an intuitive sense with your eating and implementing intermittent fasting when you find it appropriate. What are your thoughts on that, Jen? Well, I think that's actually true because that's what ends up happening, I think, for most of us. You know, I'm going on vacation for a week. I'm going to have wider windows. And then when I come back home, I'll probably not feel like eating as much for a few days and just naturally I'll be intuitive about it. And so the reason people don't quit or, you know, stop completely after they've been doing intermittent fasting for a long time is because you just realize how great you feel. So even though I will enjoy some longer windows, it feels so good to be back in my normal routine. So I don't have to consider that it's a rigid thing I have to do, you know, in this rigid way every single day for the rest of my life. It's not. Intermittent fasting as a lifestyle, especially when you have gotten to the, the weight range that you want to stay in, it's just so forgiving and flexible, and you really do feel it when you eat too much. Your body sends those signals of, uh, you know, time to lay off of that. <laughs> Thank goodness. You really just become more in tune with everything. Yeah, that reminds me. So the other day, I had a, a daytime eating experiment, and I sort of ate all day. And 
it was the first time in like forever that I had that full stuffed feeling. I mean, it's definitely like a feeling. It made me realize how much that feeling is. I don't want to say mental, but it's like a hormonal stuffed feeling that I used to get like all the time, you know, growing up eating, you know, that stuff feeling where like, oh, remember I was always fascinated by it growing up because you would feel so stuffed and you would feel like I never want to eat ever again. And then an hour later, you'd be hungry. (laughs) And it's like, right. (laughs) But I felt that feeling and I was like, oh, I forgot what this felt like. I don't like it. (laughs) So and that also could have been my food choices as well, because I realized certain foods make me feel different ways. I just wanted to bring up that last point because I didn't want her or listeners to think, oh, you have to do IF for life. You know, like that's necessary. I do think that, you know, people change and that's okay. And you might find different approaches that work for you, but I don't think you need to fear a yo-yo type effect that will typically happen with restrictive diets. Yeah. I think the key word choice is have to versus want to. And I bet, I would like to hear from her again after she's been living the lifestyle for a while. I bet she won't want to quit. She should definitely email us and let us know. Yeah. The whole idea of, quote, eating normally becomes so unappealing. (laughs) Like you said, you know, I talked about this in an interview that I did with somebody just the other day, the same thing you said, that if, if someone told us we had to stop, we would not want to, right? So if I went to the doctor and he said, you're going to die unless you stop intermittent fasting. I mean, of course I would have to stop, but I wouldn't want to. I I wouldn't be happy to stop. So, but I I would, I would follow doctor's advice if he said that. But this actually did remind me of one other thing, Jen. What is that? So it's interesting because with this intermittent fasting, people first start it. And I think they're a little bit hesitant if they're going to keep it for life, but then they often end up do keeping it. It's actually the opposite of something I heard recently on a podcast that I thought was really fascinating. So this is a little bit of a tangent, but it's relevant. Yeah, share this. This is great. Yeah. So I was listening the other day to one of Dr. Ruscio's podcasts, and we love Dr. Ruscio. We had him on our podcast. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Side note, I was listening to Rob Wolf's podcast the other day, and he was talking about how there like are a few people in the health industry that just are really, really on top of everything, like studies wise and all the things. And he was like, that's Dr. Ruscio. And I was like, yes, I agree. I got a sense of that when I read his book. Like I was impressed and I've read a lot of books and his book impressed me. Yeah. He's amazing. He just actually reads all the studies and he's so not biased. It's so refreshing. Yeah. Love him. I want to get him on my, my new podcast. Have I talked about my new podcast on this podcast? I don't think you have, no. Okay, that was a quick teaser. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) He had an episode recently, and it was called Which is Better, Low Fat or Low Carb? And it was with a Stanford researcher. It was with Professor Christopher Gardner, PhD, who actually did a recent diet fits study, which I had actually read, and it was a really well-conducted study. And it looked at people on low-carb versus low-fat diets. And it like analyzed their genotypes and how they secrete insulin and was trying to see which diet was better for weight loss. Yeah, so it was really pretty interesting. We'll put links to all this in the show notes. But one of the things that Professor Gardner did say in that interview, and it was really briefly, and I don't even know if this was in the study or if this was just something that he was talking about that they found while doing the study. So they had people doing low fat and low carb, and they were seeing how they reacted. And... 
I wish I had already told you this, Jen, so I could ask you. <laughs> but um, Jen, what do you think they found was actually most effective for weight loss right away at three months? Okay. Now I forgot, which was the Good. most effective Good. at so you three can, months. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm firmly in the everybody's going to find the one that works for them camp. And there's no like one best way. So I can't remember what you said. What was the one that was the most effective at three months? That was the takeaway. Right. That it was completely individual. But it's kind of a trick question. So at three months, the people who were the most successful, they had lost the most amount of weight and they were feeling like really motivated, (laughs) was actually the participants who, I don't know if they prescribed them to do this or they just did this naturally. It was those who actually did low carb and low fat. Low carb and low fat? Wow. Yeah. So the, the ones that for some reason... And I'd have to re-listen. That sounds like Ducan. Did you ever try that? Yeah, or it sounds like PSMF, like protein sparing modified fast, although that's highly yeah. restricted. Right. Yeah, it sounds like that as well. So that's not the end of the story. I'm not going to leave it there. <laughs> but basically, three months, they were the most successful. They lost the most amount of weight, and they were feeling the most compliant. So they looked like they were going to be in it for the long haul. But that did not stay the same. And at 10 months... All of those participants had added back either more fat or more carbs. Basically, you know, it's not sustainable, but it was really good for, I guess, I think burning through fat and while because of the high protein intake, protecting the metabolism. But it reminded me of our discussion because, you know, it looked like they would be on it for life, but not really. (laughs) But the takeaway from the whole study was, you know, that it's very individual, you know, both are effective for weight loss. And it really comes down to genes. And I was actually listening. I also listened the other day, yesterday to the recent Joe Rogan interview with Gary Tobbs and Stefan Guillenay. Oh my goodness. That was quite the argument. It's like three hours. Oh, I bet. I bet it was. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and steer clear of that one. Yeah. You know, Gary Tobbs is... Oh yeah. He's a, a low carb guy. Yeah. He's a proponent that's all about insulin, whereas Stefan Guillenay is the proponent that it's all about. And I've read both of their books. He is the proponent that it's all about, you know, the brain and how the brain is driving appetite and that, you know, low fat versus low carb doesn't really matter. The ironic thing is, honestly, listening, I listened to the whole thing because I'm packing. I have time (laughs) to listen to things. (laughs) Three hours of them arguing. And I was just the whole time I was like, guys, you're both right, in my opinion. Like, I, I, I was like, I don't really know why you're arguing. Like, I honestly think you're both right. Like, I think that they're all factors involved. You know, one of the things I love about Jason Fung is he says obesity is multifactorial. And so if there's multiple causes, there's not just one solution. So like, for example, intermittent fasting brings down our insulin. So if you are overweight because of insulin resistance, that sort of thing, it will be very helpful to you. But if you've got another problem, intermittent fasting might not solve that. And so it's so complicated, isn't it? Yeah, no, I mean, I honestly think that probably 90% of what they both said was true. In my opinion, probably true. I mean, there was like a few little things where they, you know, one would be more stubborn than the other and more, you know, absolute and saying, oh, this is the only way it is. And that's where I think that things are off. But in general, I was like, guys, like, (laughs) calm down. I'll put a link to that as well. Go to them. If you follow us in the Himalaya app, we are Himalaya Partnered Show. 
And I have a playlist there called Intermittent Fasting Podcast Stuff We Like, and I'll put links to all of these other podcasts. Awesome. I was just going to say, I think it's interesting that people were really excited about the low carb and low fat at first because I tried that with the Ducan diet. And that was like the most miserable one I ever tried. I mean, I've tried some crazy diets and that one was the one that my body said, uh-uh. Eating um, low fat and low carb, just high protein. I felt so bad, like immediately. That did not work at all for me. But I had a friend that was doing it and she was doing great. You know, she like felt great, was dropping the weight. It worked. So that right there, you know, cemented to me, huh, we're not all the same. Because I was like, I'm about to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> Yeah, because I basically did that as well. I was more like your friend. So I did it when I had a lot of weight to lose. And I went on a period where I ate a lot of lean meat, basically only. It was it was super high protein. It was high calorie. It was high protein, high calorie, but it was low fat, low carb. It worked really well for me until it didn't. Yeah. And I think that's what you know we see because then people, like I said, end up bringing back in you know more carbs, more fat. I actually ended up bringing back in more carbs probably. So, yes, yes. And see, for me, I do better with high carb and high fat. So I probably eat less protein than a lot of people. I bet you and I have a very different macro compositions. We probably both have the, I mean, you've got high carb though. You're high carb and you you have high everything, wouldn't you say? Is yours pretty balanced? I actually now, in general, I don't consider my, I'm definitely not high fat. Okay. Well, I am on some days. So I don't know. I am actually a... At least for me, and I think for a lot of people, I don't think doing this is just from my research, and I don't think this is true for everybody. But in general, I don't think combining high fat and high carb is the healthiest thing metabolically for a lot of people. This is just my current thoughts. I don't believe that those two substrates necessarily go together and create the best metabolic situation. I think the body, I think a lot of people's bodies do better. burning on either carbs at one time primarily or fat at one time. So I tend to do like higher fat, lower carb days, and then higher carb, lower fat days. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, I've read that thought. A lot of people have it. Personally, it's just so interesting when I look back at the period of time when I was losing weight the fastest with intermittent fasting is when I was eating what could only be described as high carb and high fat at the same time. And I was losing, it was at the very end when I was getting to goal. And my body just responded so well to that. Like I was losing weight like crazy and I was eating high fat and high carb. And that's just the way I feel the best. But I was dropping, you know, a couple pounds a week at that point. But it was real food. It was high quality food. And I think that we're just also very different. I don't think that I would be, you know, doing well if I ate high carb and high fat all day long. You know, that would be interesting to see the difference there. Because I am completely fat-free, carb-free, protein-free for most of the day. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. Oh, and then I want to say one other random thing I remembered. Speaking of listening to things while packing, I also listened to an awesome new book on Audible. I listened to it completely while packing because it was super short. Gretchen Rubin, who I adore, she's the one who did like the Happiness Project and Better Than Before. Yep, yep. Yeah, she has a new book called Outer Order, Inner Calm. And it's all about cleaning up. Oh, I love that. Getting organized and throwing things away. I was like, how perfect is this? So yeah, I listened to that on Audible. 
Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, Literally every single day of my life, I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash ifpodcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up a Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Okie dokie. Shall we go to our next question? Yes. All right. So this question comes from Janice and the subject is feet shrinking and sleeping better. Janice says, hi ladies. Hope all is well. My boyfriend recently got me into IF. He is doing 22-2, and I am currently on my 11th day. I know it's early on, but so far, so good. For week one, I did 16-8 and responded very well. So for week two, I am now doing 18-6, and I've definitely noticed more ab definition. Side note, I'm 5'3 and 115 pounds and lived a healthy lifestyle before IF, and I'm very physically active. I'm not doing IF to lose weight, but to see more definition to my body, live healthier, and for the longevity of life. 
Now to my question. I've been listening to your podcast ever since I started IF and I've been binge listening. Great stuff. I don't know if this is just me, but has anyone noticed a change in the size of their feet? This is one of the first things I noticed about my body changing, and it's that my feet are getting smaller. My boyfriend says it could simply be due to less inflammation, but I was just wondering if anyone else has reported this. So before I go to her next question, Jen, do you have thoughts on the feet? Oh yeah, we hear this all the time. People do find that their feet get smaller. And of course, it could be inflammation, swelling, puffiness, that sort of thing. I feel like I just had fat feet. My feet had... I'd gained weight everywhere, and I guess my feet was one of those places because I was a size seven and a half shoe in high school, and then you know I had two children and was obese, and so my feet were bigger. I was wearing an eight, eight and a half, even like I think I bought a nine every now and then, and I just thought that was getting older, you know, whatever. Well, now I'm back in seven and a half to eight, and we do, like I said, we hear this all the time. And it could be just inflammation, but I think we lose some feet fat. Yeah, just anecdotally. So it's interesting when I react to certain foods or if I have like problems with water retention or things like that, I actually do experience it a lot in my feet. Um, That seems to be one of the areas that I experience it. So, but I have definitely seen a, yeah, a change in my feet in general. I think a lot of it is like the inflammation related. I mean, sure, you do store some fat in your feet, but you're not alone, Janice. (laughs) It's definitely not all in your head. People have definitely experienced it. And she says, second question, I have also noticed a huge difference in my sleep as I have and have always been quite the insomniac. I used to have trouble sleeping and never have great sleep. Since starting IF, my sleeping has drastically improved, which is great. I'm simply wondering if this is because of IF. Hoping to turn this into a true lifestyle. Again, thank you for this podcast. I truly enjoyed it and wish you both well. Best Janice. So I feel like sleep is actually, you know, do experience sleep issues with intermittent fasting, whereas with some people it helps them sleep much better. What do you think, Jen? It is true. Some people do experience sleep issues with intermittent fasting and some find it happens at first as their bodies are adjusting and then it gets better. Some people find that it keeps up the whole time. Really, one of the things though that we hear is that people find they actually need less sleep. And I know that goes against everything we've been told about how you have to, you know, get eight hours of sleep a night in order to perform. But there are people who will say, you know, I don't get as much sleep now. My body won't let me sleep as much, but I feel fine uh, and I feel rested. And so, you know, you know the feeling when you haven't had enough sleep, that draggy, you know, groggy feeling the next day. That happened to me earlier this week. We had a neighbor in the hospital and we were there till really late. And I got home really late, went to bed later than normal, got less sleep than I normally do. And I was draggy the next day. But when you listen to your body and you wake up because your body's ready to wake up, you feel fabulous. So just pay attention to the difference there. That's really important. So I'm glad that that Janice is experiencing better sleep. But if you find you're sleeping less Really ask yourself, do you feel like you're not getting enough or does it feel good? And that that's important because if you feel bad, then it's time to start figuring out what you can do about that. If you feel like you're not getting enough sleep and you're not rested, you know, I didn't sleep well when I was doing alternate daily fasting protocols because I, I can't sleep in ketosis. I just can't, you know, I'm awake. The ketones keep me awake. And so a lot of people find that to be true. And if I don't have enough carbs, 
in my evening eating window, then I may have a more restless night's sleep. So if I eat well, have plenty to eat, make sure to have sufficient carbs, I sleep a whole lot better. And also, Melanie, as I'm getting older, wine will make me have more restless sleep. If I have more than a glass or two, I toss and turn. So, Yeah, two things there. Um, interesting that you brought up the, the keto thing, because I think that's another thing where people find both things. Like some people do keto and they can't sleep at all. <laughs> uh, but then some people do keto and they, they sleep better. Or they, right? I think a lot of people do keto and they, people who are well adapted to it, and they find, I hear that a lot, that they just need less sleep. So I think when you find the dietary patterns that really work for your body and suit your body, I think it's natural that you might, you know, not require as much repair time, like as much sleep time. Oh, that's a good way of looking at it. I didn't think about it like that. You know, just be more efficient. It's kind of like, this is something that I feel like is probably really the case, but I don't see it expressed that often. People often say, you know, they'll do studies and they'll say too little sleep is linked to you know, decreased health and lifespan and too much sleep is linked to decreased health and lifespan and that there's just like this perfect range of sleep or whatever. I'm pretty sure this is just me thinking, but it makes no sense to me that the people who are sleeping longer, like too long, and that's why it's related to decreased health effects. I mean, I imagine it's probably because people who are sleeping too much are dealing with, you know, sorts of physical issues that are, you know, encouraging them to sleep longer. Does that make sense? I don't know. I just feel really strongly about this because it comes up, not a lot, but I'll hear it a lot, you know, I'll read sleeping too much is, you know, not good for your health. But I think it's probably because most people who are sleeping too much, there's something making them sleep a lot. And it's probably a third health factor that is a problem. Well, yeah, I think this is an example of correlation and causation they're getting it backwards. They're assuming that the sleeping a lot is making them have a bad health outcome, but really it's the bad health that's making them sleep a lot. Like I had the flu, I don't know, January, February, whenever it was, I had the flu and guess what I did? I slept a lot. Did sleeping a lot give me the flu? No, I slept a lot in response to the flu. So, you know, it's like a study I heard on the radio one time when I was driving and I was like yelling at my radio. They're like, children who are spanked are more violent. I'm like, or maybe children who are violent are spanked more, <laughs> you know, because I look at my own two oh, children true. and one of one of them got more spankings than the other one. And, <laughs> you know, it was the one who was a little more naughty. And so it's yeah. just, you know, we, we have to be very careful with assigning the cause because sometimes it's the opposite. I think you're right. That's a really good point that our bodies do so much repairing during the fasted state that maybe we don't need as much sleep for that reason. Interesting. I'd never thought of it, but now I'm going to ponder that. Yeah, just my thoughts. So we're ready for our next question. And this is from Michelle. Michelle says, hello, ladies. Thank you both for being so helpful to all of us IF newbies. I'm about to try Australia Sparamundi for the first time after hearing Melanie talk about it on the podcast. Melanie, I would like to know what is your favorite recipe for this fish and how do you prefer to cook it? Also, Jen, have you tried this fish out yet? I really like fish, but never actually cooked it myself. I have only had fish from restaurants. I'm on a new path of trying to eat healthier now that I have been clean fasting for a while, thanks to Jen's books and this podcast. All right, so tell us all about how you prepare your barramundi. 
Well, first of all, so I got our contact there at Australia's. I absolutely love them. And the reason I love Australia's is I'm a huge fish fan, as listeners know. Like, I adore fish, but I've struggled with mercury toxicity, which is really sad. And I had to stop eating fish. Australia's is the one brand of fish that it tests basically negligible for mercury levels. And I got really excited, Jen. And the reason I wanted to have this question in here was because the lady at the company that I've been talking to, she actually emailed me recently with even updated testings for their mercury levels and basically non- non-existent. And I've been researching hardcore like mercury levels in all the different types of fish. And these are shockingly low. They're basically not even in there. So oh, it's so good. And then Australia's fish also has the highest omega-3 to omega-6 ratio of any white fish. Like basically the perfect omega-3, omega-6 ratio, but it's still a leaner fish. It is a white fish. It's so delicious and mercury-free. Love it. I just love it. As far as recipes go, I'm crazy. I'm, and I've gotten this question a lot, especially in my Facebook group, the Paleo One Meal a Day group. Everybody's like, how do you cook it? What are your recipes? Guys, I'm really simple like as a person. So <laughs> I, I just eat it plain, which is I don't know. I think it's delicious. But that said, on their website, they have a a great section with recipes. And so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Also, in my book, What When Wine, I have some fish recipes. And you could definitely substitute the Australias for the fish in there. I'll just outsource (laughs) the answer to that question. But for listeners, if you'd like a free in-store instant coupon that you can use. So if you go to better.fish slash podcast, they actually have a coupon there for our listeners. You can use that in stores. You can get it. They have it at a lot of, a lot of grocery stores, including Whole Foods. That's where I get mine. So yes, as far as food choices go, if you're looking for an awesome fish for your window that is sustainable, they raise it with environmentally friendly practices, healthy, amazing omega-3s, no mercury. Guys, this is the fish for you love this fish. (laughs) So definitely check that out. And then this is really all me because Jen is actually not the biggest fish fan in the world. No. (laughs) So this is all my passion. So this is for all my fish, my fish lovers out there. You should try this fish. Let me know what you think. The last time I tried fish because I was like, I can do this. I eat all the things now. And it was not pretty. So it was cod. I mean, it wasn't barramundi. So what does barramundi taste like? Oh, it tastes so good. You should try it. It's so good. It doesn't taste anything like cod. I love cod too, but cod is very lean and more fishy tasting. This barramundi is richer for a white fish. It's like soft and rich and delicious. Has it like a nice light buttery taste to it. I think you would like it. I really do. Hi friends. I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, literally every single day of my life. I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, 
enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash ifpodcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Well, it sounds more like what I might like. Like I like lobster and I like crab and I will have shrimp certain ways, but like I don't like scallops and I don't like, I haven't had any fish I did like so far in my life. (laughs) Will you please try it and let me know what you think? Because I, I would be really, really interested to see what you think. Yeah. Could you try it? Okay. Yes, I will try it. I did want to clarify for listeners because this is something else people have said in my Facebook group. So barramundi in general is not a low mercury fish. So if you see barramundi on a, like, on a menu at a restaurant, and you're like, oh, Melanie said this was a low mercury. No. Although Australia's does supply to restaurants. So if you want to ask them, is this Australia's barramundi? then it would be low mercury. But it's low mercury because of their raising practices. They raise them in enclosed tanks with fish feed that is mercury-free, and the waters are closely monitored for mercury levels. So that's why these fish are free of mercury. If you get wild-caught barramundi, they're likely going to be moderate to high mercury levels. So I do want to throw that out there. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah, I think I might have misled some people in that. So, yes, yes. All right, shall we go to the next question? Yes, let's do it. All right, so the next question comes from Kelly, and the subject is ice. And Kelly says, Hi, ladies, love your podcast. It actually has inspired me to begin an IF lifestyle. Thanks for all that you do. Sorry if this has already been answered, as I am not entirely caught up on listening to the podcast yet. I was wondering if eating ice would break the fast. It hasn't made me hungry yet 
but in one of your podcasts, you mentioned that the act of chewing from chewing gum causes people to get hungrier and use the restroom earlier than those who don't. I love eating ice, so I'm hoping that it doesn't cause any issues. Thanks for your help. All right. Ice. Jen. You know, I, for some reason, have a feeling that your body knows it's ice. I mean, it's water. It's just frozen water. You know, when you chew gum, you know, you salivate, you have a different kind of response to it because it's like a solid. I mean, I know ice is solid, but it's water. So I don't have any studies for this. I don't have any research. I would not hesitate to chew ice unless you were worried about hurting your teeth personally. You know, I also move my jaws when I talk a lot, and that doesn't make my body think I'm chewing or whatever. But, I mean, I guess you really you are chewing ice, but... Yeah, I was going to say, people will, like, chew on pins out of nervous habits. You know, I mean, they're not swallowing. Yeah. So, I have no studies for this, and I, I feel like chewing gum is a different sensation in the mouth. Like, your body, I just feel like ice is, is fine. Yeah, and like the thing with gum is you're you're bringing in those flavors. You're bringing right. in that like sensory mouth, almost food esque experience. Whereas with the ice, it, like yeah, it is just water. So very that was a really sh- short anecdotal answer from both of us. But I think it's, there's not really a study that's like does chewing ice break fasting. But I think you're probably okay. Yeah, I mean the reasons it's not going to have any of the, the same reasons like Melanie said. No flavor no sweeteners. It's just ice and it's just water. So, I mean, if you swallowed ice, it would be totally fine. But, you know, the chewing motion, I think with gum, it's a different experience. You know, I'm trying to like now mentally picture chewing gum versus chewing ice and it's different in my mouth. We don't know, but we think it's probably fun. I would not hesitate to chew ice (laughs) unless I was trying to protect my teeth. Again, my dentist told me to tell you that. Perfect. All right, so we have another question. This is from Erica, and she says, Hi, girls. I have been listening to the podcast when I deliver my rural mail route. It keeps me in good spirits because I spend hours alone, and my only interaction is giving the dogs on the route treats. Luckily, I do get to chat with some stay-at-home moms, the elderly, and those who have retired. I'm writing to you to say thank you for keeping me company. This may sound strange, but it's like I have friends with me when I'm working, and I really enjoy it. My question is, if you guys have considered expanding your podcast to include other topics. I honestly could listen to you every day. You are both very smart and sweet ladies. Thank you, Erica. I loved reading that one. That one made me smile. I loved that question. I totally forgot that I had this question in the lineup for today, and I gave that little teaser earlier. Well, you teased them from then to now. They had to I wait. Know. Forgo- I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, long story short, I think since this is the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, I mean, we do go into so many different you know, health issues and we get to cover. I think I, I like where we're at right now, Jen. I mean, not that we're not open to change, but I like that, you know, mostly it's focused on intermittent fasting, but then we do branch into, you know, the related health and diet world that relates to fasting as well. I don't think we want to like, I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to ever say no or close doors, but I don't think our intention is to, you know, branch into completely unrelated topics Correct. for this podcast because, you know, there's a whole world of potential for doing other projects that would be more suited to that. So for, I mean, Jen's other podcast is Intermittent Fasting Stories. So it's still about intermittent fasting. Point is we can do other projects to tackle other issues and other topics Yes, I'll throw it out there. I haven't officially announced it, but I am going to be launching 
another podcast as well. So, because Jen, you have your Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast. Yes. How do you feel having two podcasts, by the way? Oh, I love it. I mean, they're so different. Just like you're saying, they're so different. The second one, Intermittent Fasting Stories, has a completely different vibe and appeal and a different, it's just a different podcast. And people can like both of them. That's the thing. You know, people listen to this one for specific you know, there's science questions and the topics that we cover, but people listen to intermittent fasting stories for a different reason. And so I think it's perfect. Yeah, I think momentum definitely, you know, breeds momentum and you can do multiple things. So for me, I will be launching on the flip side of my move. I'm super excited. I'm going to be launching a new podcast, Untitled at the Moment, but it will be interviewing kind of how Jen's other podcast is interviewing different people. So mine's going to be interviewing other people as well, all in the health and biohacking world. So basically all the crazy tangent topics that I go on all the time, (laughs) I'm going to be tracking down all the experts in all the different areas and interviewing them. So you'll probably see a lot of people that we've had on this podcast before, which is really great because we had, you know, a dozen or so amazing interviews. So I'll probably be bringing back a lot of people that you've heard from already and then also some new people as well. So I'm really, really excited. I think it could be really great. Yeah, I'm really excited for you to have it. I think it's going to be great. And, you know, bringing back some of the same people, but they have so much more to them than just intermittent fasting. So it'll be a whole new interview, even though it might be the same person. Yeah, because for a lot of the people that we've had on, you know, intermittent fasting wasn't their main thing, but we kind of focused on it with them for this. But now I can kind of go into what their main thing is. Exactly. I listen to so many podcasts and I keep hearing, you know, interviews. I'm like, oh, got to get him on my new podcast. I'm like making a list of all the people I'm going to contact and reach out to. Perfect. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you'd like to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com. Also go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. At that website, that's where we have the show notes. So the show notes for today's podcast will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 105. That's where I'll put links to the show notes and everything that we talked about. So definitely check that out. You can also help support our podcast if you go to patreon.com slash ifpodcast. That would mean the world. And then like I said, we are a Himalaya partnered show. If you get the Himalaya app, which is my favorite app of all time to listen to podcasts, follow us in there. You'll actually get access to our show 24 hours in advance. All right. So anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think it was another great episode. I say that every time, but I mean it. All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to next episode because that means I will be moved. Yay. Yes, I'm looking forward to it too. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.